Kenimers couldn't decide which side to sit on this morning. I don't know what's going on. Oh, I got you. I got you. Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to, uh, good to see you. What is up with my stand today? This is not going to go well. I'll do my best. This is going to bother me all morning. <laughs> last week, we finished chapter 8, and we're going to pick up uh, kind of where we left off last week. We are going to hit verse 1 again, just because I think it's important for today's passage. But I just want to kind of give you guys a heads up. Um, I'm going to fix this while I'm doing this, because uh, this is not going to work for me. Um, we are only about, I was looking this week, and it looks to me like we're only about eight weeks out from ending this uh, study in Ecclesiastes, which... Um, is both exciting, but also, uh, I don't know, it's just interesting to see what the Lord's going to do. And I don't know if I made that better or not. Is this bothering y'all? Hold on, it's bothering me. All right, I think it's packed. We've been sabotaged this morning. There we go. All right, that's better. I can deal with that. Sorry. I can't, if I can't focus, y'all can't focus either, right? All right, so here we go. So, um, where do we leave off? Uh, oh, Okay. The, the word that the Lord has for us this morning, I put up the, the, for the, the title of this is, um, well, I've forgotten already, God's gift of life. It's not on my notes here. I didn't write it down. God's gift of life. And I think this is going to be a good, a good message for us today. Um, here we are with two hurricanes headed towards the Gulf. Um, I, I want to say that I've read somewhere that that's never happened before. Is that correct? That this is a historical event? It has happened. I, see, I keep getting conflicting reports. Um, but regardless, uh, I did see somebody put up this week that uh, they said, we're tired of living in historical times. Can we go back to normal, to non-historical times, which I can appreciate very much. So um, it, anyway, a lot of great memes go out there, but, but I just want you to keep this in mind this week. You know, we're dealing with a lot of stuff personally and as a country and as a globe, um, but I want you to keep in mind that God's not surprised by the events that are happening in your life or in the lives of the people around us. So even though the world seems like it's falling apart, we all will be okay, all right? Stuff, your house might catch on fire and then put itself out with the water pipes, but it's going to be okay, all right? In the midst of all of that, and I really appreciate um, Kobe, uh, you know, he and I have had a lot of conversation over the last week, um, and just the peace that he has because of his relationship with God and understanding. And I think it's been timely for our body to talk about the temporariness of the things that we have. Um, and I know we've had that conversation with several other people um, over the last couple of weeks. So there's plenty going on that we can panic about, but we're not going to. We're gonna, today we're going to look at God's Word. He has a Word for us. Um, and so we're going to pick up in uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, and we'll look at verses 1 through 3, kind of break that down, and then we'll move forward from there. So let's, let's read together. Indeed, I took all this to heart and explained it all. The righteous, the wise, and their works are in God's hands. People don't know whether to expect love or hate. Everything lies ahead of them. Everything is the same for everyone. There is one fate for the righteous and the wicked, for the good and the bad, for the clean and the unclean, for the one who sacrifices and the one who does not sacrifice. As it is for the, as it is for the good, so also it is for the sinner. As it is for the one who takes an oath, so also for the one who fears an oath. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun. There is one fate for everyone. In addition, the hearts of people are full of evil and madness is in their hearts while they live. After that, they go to the dead. So point one and number one I want to make today is that God is in control of the lives of the wise and the righteous and everything they do. Okay? 
um, all of us face the same fate. And I love, um, I recently uh, watched Hamilton, Bethany and I did, and I know we're really late to the party on that one, but it was really good. If you haven't seen it, it's worth your time. But at the end of that production, there is a song um, before um, Hamilton dies, which by the way, that's history. I didn't give it away. Um, that he, he makes the statement that all of us have the same fate, that all of us die. And that's a main focus of our passage today. We all die, and how we live doesn't make any difference on whether we die or not, right? We know that. That's a biology thing, that all of us at some point are, are going to kick the bucket, and whether we led a good life or a bad life, the result is the same for all of us. Um, but this does not imply determinism that prevents uh, human freedom or responsibility, Right? We know as believers that God has given all of us free will. And so to say that God is in control of our lives is not saying that God is making all the decisions for us, but rather that he has a, a bit of control in all of that. We have the choice to choose to obey God, to do the things that he says or not. What this passage is telling us is that whether we're right with God or not won't change the fact that we're going to die. That is something that will happen to all of us. How we live does make a difference in the quality of this life. And as we know, as believers, it's going to make a difference in how we spend our eternity. Right? And so those are things that we need to think about. We're going to discuss this more at the end of the passage, but I want to bring back something that we looked at in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 24 through 26. It said this, there's nothing better for a person than to eat, drink, and to enjoy his work. I have seen that this, this even... Even this is from the hand of God. Because who can eat and who can enjoy life apart from him? For the person who is pleasing in his sight, he gives wisdom, knowledge, and joy. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and accumulating in order to give to the one who is pleasing in God's sight. This too is futile and a pursuit of the wind. There's this overarching truth that we see in, in everything. We see it in, in, in the midst of uncertain times more than any other place. And I can't speak it for you, but for me... There's so much peace in my life in knowing that God is in control, right? When your life seems to be kind of tumbling out of control and you're going, God, I, I know that you're for me. I know that you're going to spend this for my benefit, but things do not feel good right now. Life seems crazy. There is peace in knowing that even though I feel out of control, I feel like the circumstances are out of my control, that God is not surprised, that God is in control and has the ability to make change in our lives. Yes, we're in the middle of COVID. And yes, there's two hurricanes headed this way. But God is still working in the lives of his people. Hurricanes or no hurricanes. If you didn't know there's two hurricanes, by the way, there's two hurricanes coming. Okay, they're not hurricanes yet. Well, one of them is, I don't know, they change it every day. They're going to do this over Louisiana. It's going to be crazy. Probably not at the same time, but very close to each other. But even in the midst of that, God's still working. God is still alive. He's active in our lives. And if a hurricane comes and a tree falls on your house, Lord, I hope it doesn't. I'm praying that everybody will be okay. But even if that happens, we know that houses are temporary. And that even if something does happen to your house, it's going to be okay. Because God is working in our lives. And what a, an amazing truth for us to know and to be able to share with other people. That even when your life is falling apart, when things are very difficult, that God is there with you, that you're not having to do that on your own. We all know that hard times are going to come and go. And, and that is going to happen because we live in a world that's full of sin. Scripture is very clear about that. Sin's the reality that we live in, and, and it's in us, and it's in the people that are around us. Look at Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. 
It says, when the Lord saw the human wickedness was widespread on the earth and that every inclination of the human mind was nothing but evil all the time. And then in Genesis 8, 21, he says, when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, he said to himself, I will never again curse the ground because of human beings, even though the inclination of the human heart is evil from youth onward. And I will never again strike down every living thing as I've done. Sin affects us all. We're born into sin. There's nothing that we can do about it. There's no voodoo or trick or anything. You, it, it doesn't matter. When you're born, sin enters your life. At some point, you don't have to teach a child to lie. They figure that out on their own. You don't have to teach a child to sneak candy. They figure that out on their own, right? I see some mamas and daddies shaking their heads, okay? That's just part of what it means to be human. It's not the way God intended it, but it's where we find ourselves. And God's control in our lives is determined by how much control we choose to allow God to have in our lives. You see, God wants to be involved. He wants to, to help us to walk through life, to figure out those difficult times, but He can only help us as much as we will allow Him to, 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 to speak into our lives. We have the option of choosing to ignore God. And for those of us that know God and allow Him to be in control, we experience God's peace, His provision, His protection in our life, even in the midst of difficult times. We know that because we've, we've experienced it together as a body. We've experienced it personally. We all, we're going to have a hurricane pass over us. But our perspective on what that hurricane means and how it affects us is going to be determined by our relationship with God. A hurricane is a hurricane. But our perspective can be different from others based on what the Lord is speaking to us individually. Because we understand that life is hevel, even when our homes are damaged or, or other things are, we know that it's temporary. We know that we need a place to live, but we also know that that is not the most important thing about life. Houses can be replaced. For somebody that doesn't understand God, their home may be the most important thing. It may be the most significant thing that they've ever done is to purchase that home. And that is a significant thing, but it's not the most significant thing because it can be replaced. Our literal experience may be the same as other people, but our response to those experiences can be completely different because our perspective is different on life, because we understand the temporary nature of the world that we live in. Point number two I want to make today is that our lives are valuable, and we need to understand that. Look at verses 4 through 6 in Ecclesiastes 9. It says, But there is hope for whoever is joined with all the living, since a live dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead don't know anything. There is no longer a reward for them because the memory of them is forgotten. Their love, their hate, and their envy have already disappeared, and there's no longer a portion for them in all that is done under the sun. You know, with us talking about everything being hevel, everything being temporary, is what we mean by that, there's a tendency to wonder, like, why do we even bother with life? Why do we focus on so many of these things? And I wonder, have you found yourself asking why we go through all of this if we're just going to die and be forgotten? And you think, well, I, you know, my family won't forget me. They will, not immediately. You know, but if you've ever studied genealogy, go back two or three grandparents. You don't know anything about them, or at least very, very little. And it's not because the people that love them don't love you, and it's not that those stories don't want to be passed down. It's just that time just keeps continuing on and on and on and things are forgotten. It's the nature of the world. 
The preacher asks that same question in a number of ways throughout this book. And at the very beginning, he asks if there's any advantage to life at all. Remember in Ecclesiastes 1, verse 3, he says, What does a person gain for all his efforts that he labors at under the sun? And when he says labor, he's, he's referring to all the things that we need to be alive. You know, food to eat, shelter over our heads. That's what he's talking about. He says, is there any gain in that? He's asking the question, and there is an advantage to one's life. Our very lives, the fact that we are living, those are the gifts and the gain for our labor. We were created for life, not for death. Have you thought about that before? God did not create us to die, right? He created us to live. He created us to live, and he put us in the perfect garden. And he said, look, I've made all of this for you to enjoy, right? He gave Adam the charge of being in charge of it. And he says, eat, be happy, multiply, have a big family, lots of kids. That's what he created for us. He created for us to enjoy ourselves. We weren't born to die, but death is a result of sin in the world. And if you look at the, the chronology in the Bible and you look at how long people lived prior to the fall versus after, you're going to see a big difference there. And there can be arguments about how literal we take those numbers, but the point is, is that People lived a lot longer. You look at uh, genealogy in Old Testament. People lived a lot longer when we were first created because God created us for life. But sin messed that up. The very fact that we are are alive is a gift from God. I love that we sang those truths this morning. That song, It's Your Breath in Our Lungs, that's reference to when God breathed life into Adam and Eve. And so by singing that song, we are making the proclamation that, God, it's your breath that we're going to use to praise you. That it's not us. That this life is a gift from you. We need to understand that life is not a future reward. We have a tendency to look at our lives and we think, you know, stuff's not great right now. But one day, I'll get there. One day, I'll have the right job. One day, I'll have the right house. One day, I'll have the right spouse. And I'll be happy. But life is not about looking forward to something that's to come. Life is about today. It's about right now. And how do we enjoy that? We're going to look at that in a minute. It is what um, we should experience now while we are alive and able to appreciate it. Often we try to make our life about the end and we don't live in the moment. The end is important, but the moment is too. God created us for these moments. God created you to be alive Right now, God is working in your life, whether it looks good or looks bad. He's orchestrating those events for your benefit. When we do pass away, we're not going to spend eternity reflecting on the life that we lived here. We're going to have a whole new set of priorities when we're in heaven. We're going to be standing or kneeling or bowing or worshiping God. I don't know. I haven't been there yet. But He will be our focus when we're in eternity. So to live now, like now doesn't matter, we're, we're missing a blessing that God has given us. He created us to have the needs that we have. It's easy for us to get wrapped up in what's going wrong in our life and to forget about the blessing that life really is. A lot of times we let those things that are difficult crowd everything else out and that's all we see is the difficulty in our lives and we miss the beauty of what God has given us. Look, there's many of us who are wading through difficulties right now. We've already talked about the Normans. I've got some friends who have had just one little thing after little thing after little thing stacking up against them. And we had a conversation this week that you get to the point where you just laugh at it. 
when the next thing breaks, when the next part of your life falls apart, you just go, this is what it is, God. I'm just, I'm here for the ride. Let's figure it out, right? We got COVID. We got the hurricanes. Yes, life is hard sometimes. But when we know that God is in control and, and when bad things happen, we know that he can use it to our benefit, the particular circumstances that we find, in, find ourselves in look different. If the Normans didn't have the relationship with God that they have, their life would look different right now. Their response to their home catching on fire would be different. But it's because of the relationship that they have with God that they can have the perspective that they have. And I'm sorry that I'm using you as an example, but it's fresh, okay? We're going to see at the end of this section this, but we need to understand that, that life is for right now right? There's a, a term that's old and way overused now, but it's one that we're all familiar with, YOLO, right? You only live once, okay? Drake didn't come up with that. I'm saying the preacher came up with it because he says it in this chapter. We're alive for right now. We only get one shot at this. I almost quoted Eminem. I won't do it. Some of you are too young for that. We only get one life. We need to, to redefine how we hear that phrase, YOLO, when we talk about when we're only living once. I know it's outdated, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. Instead of living our life in a way that culture would define, let's live it in the joy that comes from living with God. Our Bible Belt culture has painted a picture that you either live in the world or you live opposed to it. Right? That's an idea that we're all familiar with. It looks like this. They create, we've created this image in the Bible Belt that you can either have fun... Or you can have God, but you can't have both, right? Think about your lives growing up and think about the picture that was painted before you. And, and I'm saying, and Scripture is saying, that that's not the way the world works. That in fact, that you can have enjoyment in your life and have God at the same time. And matter of fact, when you put those two together, you're going to have way more fun than if you were doing it apart from God. The, the preacher is telling us that that's a terrible perspective on life. God created us to live. And he gave us all that we needed to enjoy him. God wants us to enjoy the time that we have on earth by spending that time in perfect joy that's found only in obedience to the Father. Remember, he created us in perfection. Not in perfect, but in, in the state of being perfect is how we were created. That was his purpose for us when we were created, was to enjoy him. Once we die, that part is over. It's gone. We cannot and should not waste our lives worrying about and building up things that are not going to last. If we spend all the time we have here on earth building up our own kingdoms, we're going to die, and Ecclesiastes has been very clear about this, our kids may squander it or the government may get it. We don't know. But we build up our lives building up a huge stockpile of wealth and possessions and all of those things and eventually we're going to die and all of that means nothing anymore to us because we're gone look at verse 10 we're going to come back to this in a minute but verse 10 in, in chapter 9 i think is important for this point right here he says whatever your hands find to do do with all your strength because there is no work planning knowledge or wisdom and shield where you're going this is it this is our one chance we get to live this life one time and what he's saying is at, this part, at the end of this section is, is that whatever it is that God has called you to, wherever it is that you find joy in that obedience with Him, put your energy into that because that's why you're here. 
Don't waste it because once you die, you don't get a redo. It's over from there. Would it be wise, this is, a, this is a rhetorical question, but I want you to think about, would it be wise to listen to temporary people that don't know God about how to enjoy life, or would it be better to listen to the God that created both life and joy? Who's going to have a better definition of that? Who's going to be better equipped to say, oh, you want life and you want happiness? I created both of those things. Let me tell you how that works. Or listen to people who've been here just a short time more than we are, who really don't know that much more than we do. Which one's better for advice? I know which one I'm leaning towards, right? The one that created life itself. The one who invented joy. That's the one that I want to hear from. The last point I want to make today is that God intends for us to enjoy life. And I know that may, you may go, whoa, hold on, Will. Hold on, where are we going with this? Hear me out. Look at verses 7 through 10 again. He says, go eat your bread with pleasure and drink your wine with a cheerful heart. For God has already accepted your works. Let your clothes be white all the time and let your oil be lacking and never let oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the wife you love all the days of your fleeting life, which has been given to you under the sun all your fleeting days. For that is your portion in life and in your struggle under the sun. Whatever your hands find to do, do with all your strength, because there is no work, planning, knowledge, or wisdom in Sheol where you are going. Look, I know this may come as a shock to you, but God really does want us to enjoy life. He really wants us to enjoy life. And, and what is heartbreaking to me is a lot of times growing up in the church, that's not the perspective that I heard from the church. The perspective that I heard from the church was, here's the list of things you can do, here's the big list of things you can't do. Now go have fun. And what it looked like was a to-do list. It looked like a set of rules, Right? And it didn't look like much fun. I don't know about you, but rules are not fun for me. You know, we, we learned in a class in college, it was a, a recreational sports ministry class, which is a great invention. That was a lot of fun. We just played games and got college credit for it. But one of the things we learned is if you have to spend more time explaining the rules of the game than playing the game, it's not a good game. And, and for me, that was my experience with the church, is that there were far more time spent learning about the rules than we got to actually spend enjoying the game. But that's not the way God set it up to be. We know that the Pharisees got that all mixed up, that they took a couple of rules, a, a set of ten that God gave us, and they blew it up to this huge thing where it was just a bunch of stuff you could and couldn't do. But that's not what God intended, and that's why Jesus came to say, hey guys, you got it wrong. Love me, love your neighbor, the rest will be taken care of. That's the kind of rules I want to follow. I want you to hear me say that Christ died for us so that we could enjoy him and one another. Have you ever considered that he, God created these fleshly bodies? Right? Think about how our bodies work. We have needs. We need food and we need water. Without those two things, we perish. He gives us the ability to think, the ability to reason. We were purposefully and lovingly made the way that we are. There is no other creature on this earth that functions like we do. Because God is good and He's loving, we can know and feel that He takes pleasure in our joy. Here's the thing, though, about enjoying life. We can only enjoy life while we're alive. And I know that seems like a dust statement, but often we spend so much time thinking about the future that we miss 
the present. We are living as if the pleasures of this world is the best that, that there is for us. And I'm saying, and Scripture is saying, that the world has a little bit to offer, but God has so much more. I'm proposing that we have greatly misunderstood what it means to be joyful. We've bought into the lie that we can either have fun or we can have God, but we can't have both. And the preacher is dispelling that lie with us this morning. And this is an incredible message for us to share with other people in our lives to say, look, I know in the past that you've looked at religion, what we would define as dead religion, a list of rules and regulations, and said, no, I don't want a part of that. And I I concur with you. I don't want any part of that either. I want to experience life. I want to experience what it means to, to live and to walk with God the way he intended it for us to be able to do that. That's why Jesus came. Compare ourselves, compare our physical beings to everything else that was ever created. And we are unique. God specifically created us to enjoy food, to enjoy wine, to enjoy one another. Culture teaches us to pursue what brings pleasure. And we know that we can share with the people that the real source of pleasure is not the world. It's the God who created the world. But we can only do that if we are experiencing it. I can't take you somewhere that I've never been. And so we can, we can study the book of Ecclesiastes. We can talk about what it means to live in the moment. We can talk about what it means to live in obedience to God. But unless we are living that way, we can't bring somebody with us. And that's the point of this life. We talked about two weeks ago that God has called us to be disciples and disciple makers. To be a disciple maker means that I am teaching someone the things that I have already experienced with God. And if I've not experienced what it means to live in obedience and to find joy in that, I can't take somebody there with me. And so we need to spend some time allowing the Holy Spirit to redefine for us, to rewire our brains and our hearts to understand what true joy is. And it's not the things of this world. True joy comes from the Father. Joy is found in God and in His provision. It doesn't even matter what um, we're doing or how much we have. Joy is there because God is there. It's not about the things. It's about God. Even the most basic things in life like eating, God has made it, um, that necessity, enjoyable. I make fun of some of my friends who are CrossFitters because, um, and Carrie, I apologize if this offends you. I know it won't. But I know a lot of CrossFitters who, for them, food is fuel and that is it. They will take a chicken breast and put it on George Foreman with nothing else and eat it. And I, I don't know how they do that because it doesn't taste good and it's dry, right? That's not enjoyable. Have you thought about the fact that God created us to enjoy good food? You don't see the cows out in the pasture going, ooh, that grass is going to be good if I pair it over here with this piece of clover. Ooh, that's going to be a good bite, right? They don't do that. Unless you live in Ice Age and, ooh, look, Carl, a dandelion. Some of you, okay, thank you. I'll catch up, all right. Have you thought about that before? That the thing that we need to live, that God made that an incredible thing for us? Like, I don't know about you, but I love to eat. I love it. I learned to cook when I was coming out of high school because I knew I wasn't going to live with mama forever and I didn't want to eat fast food for the rest of my life. God has 
given us an incredible gift just in this one instance, just in this one way in life, this thing that we need. He said, okay, look, here's how it's going to work, guys. In order to stay alive, you've got to put calories in your body. And by the way, I'm going to make them amazing for you. He didn't have to do that. We could be out there eating grass too. By the way, grass does not taste great, okay, in case you were wondering. Enjoyment of our meals is a basic advantage for the wise, regardless of the amount or the quality of the food. Look at this with me in Scripture, okay? Because it's not just about buying really expensive ingredients, okay? Look at what Scripture says about how we eat. Proverbs 16, 8, it says, Better a little with righteousness than great income with injustice. Proverbs 17, 1, Better a dry crust with peace than a house full of feasting with strife. Psalm 104, 14 through 15, he causes grass to grow for the livestock and provides crops for man to cultivate, producing food from the earth. Wine that makes human hearts glad, making his face shine with oil, and bread sustains the human heart. It's not about the food and it's not about the wine. It's about God. He's what makes those things enjoyable. Have you ever thought about, okay, follow me on this, okay? One of the things that we need is to eat and drink in order to stay alive. What's the thing that Jesus gave us to remember what he did for us? He gave us the Lord's Supper. And what does that involve? Food and drink, bread and wine. Because at our most basic level, he wants us to understand that we need him just like we need food and drink. If we want to enjoy life, if we want to get all that he has for us out of life, the place we find that is at the feet of Jesus. It's not in going and eating at the fanciest restaurants, which may be a lot of fun. I hope to eat at the fanciest restaurants one day, but that's not where I'm going to find ultimate joy. I'm going to find it in Jesus. For me, this is love. That he took what should be mundane and made it incredible. Why else would he do that? There's no reason for us to be so different from everything else, from every other creature. But God did it because he loves us. And on top of the gift of being able to enjoy what we're eating, he makes it even better. My stuff just jumped around. Hold on. He makes it even better by giving us people to enjoy with it. I love that the most significant moments in Jesus' ministry revolved around eating. Have you ever noticed that before? That when he's really doing a work, feeding of the 5,000, right? Great miracle. He provided food for people. Dinner with Zacchaeus. They sat and they ate together. Food is an important part of our lives, and that is a gift from God. God continues to bless us, not only in providing fuel for our bodies, but he gives us more to life more in life to make it enjoyable he also makes room in our life to relax okay and and hear me out on this but he gives us time to relax and to take care of our bodies and to enjoy one another look at verses eight and nine again he says let your clothes be white all the time and never let oil be lacking on your head enjoy life with the wife you love all the days of your fleeting life which has been given to you under the sun all your days are fleeting for that is your portion in life and in your struggle under the sun Look, he's not saying that we should only wear white. If you walk away from this going, well, white's the only thing we're supposed to wear from now on, that's going to be miserable, don't do it, especially if you have children. 
That's, that's referring to in, in his day when you were at a spa. Think about going to a spa now. What, what color robe, robe do you put on? White one, right? Because it's relaxing. You can, and that's what he's saying. He's saying, just chill out, right? When God created the heaven and the earth, what did he do when he was done? He took a break. He took a rest to enjoy his creation. He took a look. He took time to sit down and to enjoy and to take a look at all the things that he had done. And God not only gives that to us, but he commands that we do the same. That we observe the Sabbath. That we take a moment from our lives and to sit and to relax and enjoy the gifts that God's given us. That's why we're created. It's good for our bodies, it's good for our minds and our spirits to take time to rest. The other six days we can enjoy our work, but once a week we need to rest from the work and spend that, do- that day enjoying the gifts of God with God. God's intent for that day is for us to spend it with Him, letting Him give us proper perspective on the gifts that He's given us. If we will do that, it keeps those gifts that God's given us from taking an improper place in our lives because often we'll find a restaurant that we really like or a cuisine that we really like and we pour ourselves 100% into that and then we take what God meant for good and we turn it into a God because it becomes more important to us than Him. But God's saying, look, I gave you all these gifts. Take a day with me and let's enjoy them together. And when we do that, it keeps them in the right place in our lives. God also gives us special people in our lives that we can enjoy life with. In verse 9, he talks about enjoying life with the, with the wife that you love. Okay, And I want to say this, the preacher is a man and he's speaking mostly to men. Okay, What he's, what he's saying, I want us to all hear this together, is to enjoy your spouse. God gives us spouses for our enjoyment, okay? We need to understand that this encouragement um, is, is for all of us. Husbands, you can enjoy your wives, okay? Ladies, husbands can be enjoyed also. I know it's hard to believe, but it can happen, okay? If you're single right now and have not found yourself uh, in this stage of life, there's encouragement for, here, for you here as well. Okay, I don't want you to block me out and say, oh, he's just talking to married people. This is for everyone, okay? There's a lot that can be covered in this one verse, but I want to just point out a couple of things this morning. To help give some perspective on verse 9, let's flip back to the creation of man and woman. Look at Genesis 2, verses 18 again. Then the Lord said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper corresponding to him. So here's a couple of things I want to point out, okay? It was God's plan for us to have a helpmate. To have someone in our lives that we can walk through the ups and downs of life with. So that we're not doing that on our own. If you've not found a spouse yet, I want you to hear me say that you are loved and God has not forgotten you or forsaken you. That that is his intent for us. Okay? I want you to know that for those in our room that are single that I know well, that on a regular basis I am having conversations with God about your future spouse and about you. I'm praying for that. And I want you to remember that our idea of time and the way God operates are two different things. And so it may seem like it's taking too long for us. It may be that God is preparing us and the other person. Okay? So trust God in His timing, for He is faithful. And just as, as we have discussed, He desires enjoyment for your life just like everyone else's. And so be patient. The Lord is working. If you are married, God has gifted you with a person that can, you can walk through life with and enjoy your days on this earth. I can't speak 
for you, but I can say for me that my life became exponentially better when I got married. I became better when I got married because God gave me a helpmate. And I want you to understand too, this, this root word that, that um, Ecclesiastes, uh, or excuse me, Genesis translates as corresponding means to, to inform, to give evidence, to provide an explanation. Our spouses are a tangible way to understand the completeness that can be found in God. I cannot imagine my, my life without my spouse. And I'm sure for many of you it's the same way. I, I, I would not be the same person. And you wouldn't either. And God does that on purpose. I have yet to experience anything on earth that is even comparable to the love and companionship that's found in marriage. I have a lot of great friends but they do not hold a candle to the relationship that I have with my spouse. And God wants that for all of us. Marriage is a gift from God. He gave us that union as yet another way to enjoy our time on earth. To say, look, I'm going to give you some incredible things to experience. By the way, here's a best friend that can experience it with you. Because I don't know about you, but experiences are always better for me when I'm with other people. And if I'm not with other people, I want to come back and talk about it for hours so that they can try to vicariously experience it through me. God created us that way. We should not take our, our spouses for granted or see it as anything but a blessing that God intended it to be for us. I say all this to say that we have a message that the world desperately needs right now because the world defines pleasure, happiness, joy in a very specific way. And Scripture describes it in a very different way. And we have, because we have experience with the Lord, an opportunity to share with people like, yes, this thing that you're chasing after the world, it may seem fun for now, but let me show you something that is lasting, that will last your entire lifetime. I'm saying and the preacher saying that life is found in God, not apart from Him. There's no greater joy or fulfillment in this world than to live with God and for God, to live in obedience to Him. In Him, you're going to find all you'll ever want and all you'll never need. Even in the midst of hardship, you're going to feel His peace and you're going to feel His presence. Again, looking back to verse 10 to end this out today, He says, whatever your hands find to do it, do it with all your strength because there's no work, planning, knowledge, or wisdom and shield where you're going. This is our only chance to do this and let's do it correctly. This life is our opportunity to enjoy the gift of life here on earth. Once we die, and we all will, this life is over. And we don't know when that's coming. And not that, this is not fear-mongering, I don't want you to be scared, oh, I might die when I leave the building today. This is not one of those, okay? But it is a fact of life that we only have so much time here, so let's not waste it chasing things that don't matter. We don't get to reboot and come back as someone else after we die. There are no do-overs in life. It's wise to live life to the fullest and in obedience to God, that's where we find fullness. That's where we find joy. That's where we find happiness is in God. And that's the message that we have. So let's spend our lives pouring ourselves out at the feet of God and receiving from Him all the gifts that He has for us, receiving from Him the joy that He has prepared for us. God has given all of us a call, a job to do, but it's not His desire that we do it apart from Him. 
God's desire is for us to experience joy and happiness as we walk through life with him, as we abide with him, and then to take people alongside us and say, just like Peter and Andrew, when, when Jesus called him and said, hey, let me go get my brother and show him who you are. As we go get our brothers and sisters, the people that live around us and say, look, let me show you this incredible thing that I'm experiencing in God. Can, I, can you come with me and let me show you what this looks like? And that may start with a simple meal. It may start with a cup of coffee and some conversation. And then just let the Holy Spirit do His work from there. Just like we talked about before, this is not, we're not going to memorize a track or write down a formula about how we're going to introduce people into joy, right? We're just going to live life with them. We abide, we abide with Christ and do as He's calling. And then as we're doing that, we bring people alongside with us as the Holy Spirit leads. And we say, look, man, because they're going to ask. The conversation going to come up. They're going to be like, how come your house burned down and you're okay with it? Right, because of Jesus. Because I realize that this stuff is temporary. And they go, wow. If God can work in the middle of their mess, maybe he can work in the middle of my mess too. And they get to bring, be brought along with that. Okay? Our lives are meant to sp be spent with God in all that we do while we're here on earth. Okay? Jesus came to, to fix what sin broke. And we know that. We have that message. We've experienced some of the joys that Christ has for us. There's more for us. We haven't experienced it all. We have a long way to go, each and every one of us. We're all in different places. But wherever you are, like we said two weeks ago, wherever you are, if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit is inside of you. And because the Holy Spirit's inside of you, you have all that you will ever need in order to bring people alongside you as you experience the joy of Christ. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for how much you love us and the fact that you take things that are necessary for us to stay alive and you make them so enjoyable. Father, I pray that this week as we go through the mundane in life, as we prepare for the storms that are coming, that we would experience peace in that. That we would experience joy in that and that people would see it and recognize that it's not just us, it's not just a cheery disposition but it's because there's a living God inside of, inside of us that's giving us a different perspective on life. And Father, give us opportunities to, to have honest conversations about, about why we feel the way we feel. Let people see the authenticity that, that oozes out of us as we just simply abide in you as we're going through our day. Father, it's not our desire to, to build up something huge, but just to spend moments one-on-one -on -one with people who need to know your love. God, give us opportunities to share that with people. Give us opportunities to, to help people to see how good you are and how much joy you offer to, to your people that you love. Jesus, we ask these things. Amen. Let's stand and worship together this morning.